Okay, Job chapter number 14. Job 14, verse number 14. It's, uh, the, during my uh, devotions this past week, this, uh, I came across this verse. It says, if a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Now, I want you to specifically notice here that last phrase. All the days of my what? Appointed time will I wait till my change come. Think about the power of that statement. Job realized that he was a finite being, did he not? He realized he had only a limited time here on this, this earth and in this earthly body till his change comes. And so he states, all the days of my appointed time will I wait. Listen, folks, the almighty creator has a perfect and providential plan for each and every one of our lives. And in his perfect wisdom, he has allotted each of us a specific amount of time and a certain number of days that we are granted to live our lives on this earth. And the reality is that there is absolutely nothing you or I can do about that to extend it or to shorten it. We can. Now, Right now, our world has been driven to a place of complete hysteria and panic and fear and anxiety because they don't know what the next day is going to hold. And they are just so fearful of, of the possibility that the death might come and knock on their door in the next day. I mean, they are so extremely fearful of that. And listen, folks, as a human being, I realize that there are lots of things that I could be. I mean, there are lots of things that I could be. Uh, I, I could be scared of. I could be fearful of. And there are many ways that I could die. I mean, that, that's a poss real possibility. But as a, a born-again believer, I am not, listen, folks, I'm not fearful of what tomorrow might bring. You see, I don't, I don't know what tomorrow might hold, but I know who holds tomorrow in their hands. Amen. Amen. And I know and I have confidence that my blessed Redeemer will do what's best and he'll do what's right concerning me. So I rest in him, awaiting, looking forward to the day when he decides is best for me to go and be with him forever. Listen, I don't worry I wait. I don't worry. I'm just waiting to meet my Jesus, folks. Job expresses saw thought by, by saying, All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Now listen, folks. This is not something that I dread. This is something I patiently wait for and look for. You see, I don't dread death. I long to see my Savior face to face. To be with him in that place that he's prepared for me for over 2,000 years now. To live with him in that perfect place forever and ever and ever. Boy, I look forward to that. 
You know, it kind of reminds me, reminds me of a long trip. You know, when you're on a long trip and you are um, on that trip, you're bound to face different difficulties, to endure different hardships. Um, sometimes just the enduring of waiting that whole time is, is so unbearable. It seems unbearable. You know, I know when we go to vacation, of course, we get six little kids, and it seems like everybody's going to go to the bathroom every ten minutes the whole way. And then Mercy gets car sick, so halfway through, somebody's going to get sick in the car, and we've got to stop at the restaurant, we've got to stop here, we've got to stop there. And it's sometimes, I mean, all those hardships, it can just see, seem unbearable, can it not? But listen, when you finally arrive, you reach that, that vacation spot, that destination, let me tell you, all those hardships, all those difficulties, all that waiting, it just fades away as you enjoy the rest, the relaxation, the time with your family, right? Listen, my friend, just like that trip, we have an appointed time of arrival in heaven. <laughs> and certainly there are going to be many difficulties and there are going to be many hardships along the journey of life. And I know, I realize, the closer you get to the destination of heaven, the harder it becomes. But listen, friend, there is light at the end of the tunnel for the believer, is there not? <laughs> now, it's not that way for the lost man. It's not that way for the, the unregenerate sinner who's never repented and given his life for, to Christ. They're, they're going to end up in a place of eternal darkness. But there's light at the end of the tunnel for the believer because we know all of our waiting. We know all of our difficulties, all of our hardships. They are only for a short time. And then we are going to enjoy the glories of heaven with our blessed Redeemer forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Truly, what perfect peace. I have as a believer, as I await my appointed time, because I know that the hardness of the journey of our lives will only make my arrival in heaven all that sweeter. Is it not going to do that? Praise the Lord. See, I don't worry. I wait. I'm waiting to meet my Jesus. Every day gets closer to me meeting my blessed Savior and my Lord in that perfect place that he has made for me. Listen, believer, the hard part, think about this, the hard part is now, right? This is the hard part, the difficulties of the journey of life. That's hard. But in that place, there will be no more pain. In that place, there will be no more sorrow. In that place, there's no more sickness. There's no more death. There's no more sin. There's no more war. There's only going to be rest in God forever and ever. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And as we think on this wonderful thought today, I want you to consider how the difficulties of our appointed time, of our journey of life, will make our arrival in heaven all that much sweeter. You know, my Uncle Dave, he fought a long battle with cancer and kidney failure, and he had been dealing with that for a number of years, and the Lord really 
blessed him and extended his life on numerous occasions. There were numerous times when the doctors told him he only had a certain amount of time to live, and God kept giving him more time. What a blessing it was to see how God worked in his life that way. But as he battled with that, when it was his time to come, my aunt testified that with a smile on his face, he raised his hand to heaven and he said, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for my salvation. <laughs> you see, listen, folks, he'd, he'd reached the end of his journey and he knew he was about to step on heaven's shore. Amen. And truly the hardships of the journey cannot compare to the glories that await us on heaven's shore. They're only going to make heaven sweeter for you and I. I want us to ponder that today. I've got five thoughts I want us to consider concerning this. You probably could add to it, but these are just the specific things that God has laid on my heart. First of all, nothing is going to make rest in heaven so sweet as the toil and the labor and the hard work that we endure here on this planet, on this earth. Look with me, if you would, at Psalms chapter number 90. Psalms 90 and verse number 10. The days of the years of our years are three score and ten. That's 70. And if by reason of strength they be four score years, that's 80. Yet is their strength, uh, is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Now listen, friend, life is hard. As this verse says, it's full of labor, it's full of sorrow. Uh, Solomon wrote in the Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. And, and man's life is just full of labor under the sun. But the Bible describes heaven as a place of complete rest. You know, Hebrews chapter uh, 4, let me read this real quick. Hebrews 4 and verse number 9. It says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Amen. You know, down here we don't get much of a rest. We're always battling with something, aren't we? Whether it's sickness or disease or health issues or job problems or the list can go on and on. There's no rest. We're just weary battling with these things nonstop all the time. But listen, there's coming a day where there will be a permanent rest for the people of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You see, heaven will be rest for the believer for the rest of eternity. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that personally, there is nothing that makes rest so sweet as toil and labor and hard work. <laughs> you know, I remember when I worked on the golf course in high school, and there, was some, there were some days where they had us doing some pretty hard labor. I mean, there were some days, anybody here that's ever done weed whacking knows if you do that for about an hour, I mean, oftentimes your fingers are like this after you're done. I mean, you can barely move them and things like that. The same with if you're raking for any length of time and things like that. There was a couple days I can remember they had me on a weed whacker all day long for like eight to ten hours. My fingers were like this for like the next three hours after I got off work. 
or raking sand traps all day long. I'll tell you what, when I got to the end of that day, boy, there was nothing so enjoyable as just, just resting in a chair. Unless it didn't even matter if it was a lazy boy or anything. I mean, it could be the hardest, most awfulest chair out there. But as long as I could just rest in a chair somewhere with a nice cold drink, soda or something, or water or something like that. And boy, I could just rest. It felt so good. It felt so sweet. Why? Because of all that hard work that had been put in. Listen, believer, the labor, the toil, the hardness of life that you put into this life under the sun of this world, it's only going to make that rest in heaven all that much sweeter. It's going to be like almost like when we get to heaven on Friday and we're going to be able to go, oh. you see what I'm saying? What a blessing that is just to sit in the presence of God, yes. never having to worry about anything at all, completely, totally resting in Him, with Him taking care of any, everything and anything. I'm just resting, enjoying being in His presence. Praise the Lord. What a day that will be, will it not? You see, nothing makes rest so sweet as the toil and the labor that we endure here on earth. Number two, nothing makes peace so pleasant as the troubles and the tribulations that we endure in life. You know, the Apostle Paul lived through and endured more trials and tribulations and troubles than probably all of us put together. If you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 28, and I'm not going to read it, but you, if you were to look at that text, you, he lists out for us all the troubles that he faced as a missionary. He went through shipwreck multiple times. He was stoned multiple times. He was beaten multiple times. He endured all these trials and all these tribulations. He suffered in so many forms in different ways. All for the sake of publishing the gospel and getting out the good news of Jesus Christ. And yet notice what he writes in, uh, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23. Philippians chapter 1. In verse number 23 it says... For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is what? Far better. Far better. Far better. I like that. You see, he, he learned something, did he not? You see, he states to, to depart with, with Christ. It's, it's far better, friend. Truly, the, the tribulations of life. They enabled this Apostle Paul to clearly see those peaceful shores of heaven. Oh, how wonderful they are. Truly, they're far better than anything that I could have in this troublesome life. Yes. You know, I've shared with you all on numerous occasions how that our, our family, uh, as a family, we've endured a number of very trying, very troublesome times in our life. And I'll tell you what, after we get through those times, after we get through those things, and that they're past us, uh, there was nothing that felt so pleasant as that, that sweet peace that just covered our soul to, to know that those tribulations, those troubles, those trials were behind us. They were over with. They were done with. Um, 
You know, it's, it's, as I said earlier, it's kind of like you're just, you're, you're so uptight, you're so on edge. You know, I don't know if you get like that, but I get like that sometimes. I remember when we were in Ukraine and the war broke out. And, and I've shared with you before how that we stayed there for quite a while after that started. It was probably about six months we stayed there just praying about whether God wanted us to, uh, to stay or to leave or what he wanted us to do. And I, I was so uptight. It's like you're on edge the whole time. What should I do? What should I do? How am I going to handle this? Should we leave? Should we stay? Um, what about my family? What could happen to them? What, uh, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, is somebody going to blow up something uh, a mile from our house tomorrow? Is somebody going to try and kidnap somebody in my family? All these things go through your mind. You're so uptight, so on edge. And we came back and we entered through the customs and the security guard says, welcome to America. It's past. We go on furlough, emergency, for a couple months. And again, now we're uptight. What are we going to do, Lord? Are we to go back? Are we to stay? What are we to do? And God directs us to Victory Baptist Church. And y'all vote us in as a pastor's family. And it's like, okay, God. What rest? What sweet peace. You see, listen, folks. Truly, the tribulations of this life will make the peacefulness of heaven all that more pleasant and peaceful. <laughs> Boy, it's just going to make it all that much better. You see, the no nothing makes rest so sweet as toil and labor. Nothing makes peace so pleasant as tribulations. Number three, nothing makes reunions so joyous as separation. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Now, let me ask you, you, you probably already know where I'm going with this, but what, what is one of the most difficult things in this life? Death. It's death. It's the death of those that you love, the death of those that are very close to you. That, I mean, it just pains you to think of them being separated from you. And when we must be separated from a loved one because they've passed on before us and, and they've, they've gone in death, I'll tell you what, it, it hurts. It's, it's painful. Some of you have lost a loved one very close to you. My grandfather and my uncle, they've passed. Jessica's grandmother Mimi, she's passed. No, Brother Nick, Brother Sammy, they've lost their dear wives. Uh, Miss Donna, she's lost her sister. And I could go on and on about those of you who have lost loved ones. I've preached a lot of funerals since we've been here. It hurts. It's painful to have that separation. But listen, friend, nothing makes a reunion so joyous as having endured that time of separation. Boy, it makes getting back together all that sweeter, doesn't it? You know, I remember a time when we were in Ukraine, and I can't remember the reason. I don't know if it was because we had document problems or if it was some other sort of reason, but we were having some sort of difficulties. Maybe it was partly because Jessica had some health issues, but I had to send her home with all of the kids we had at that point. I can't remember how many we had, at that stage, I'm thinking she had three or four. I can't remember quite now, but um, I had to send her home. And I had to stay there because I couldn't just leave the church there all by itself. I had to tend to it. Um, and, and so I, I stayed there, and I, I can remember um, as I went to the airport that day, and I, I dropped her off. On the way home, I just cried. I was about on the verge of tears the whole day as I dropped her off anyways, but I just, I just cried. It hurt. 
knowing she was going to be gone from me. She was going to be separated from me for that, that, that great period of time. All during that, that period of time, I think it was somewhere close to two months we were separated. I mean, I tried to keep as busy as I possibly could just not to think about it. But oftentimes when I'd come home and the house would be complete, completely quiet. Now, with my kids around, it's never quiet. <laughs> I'd come home and it was completely quiet. No wife to talk to me, no kids to talk to me. Boy, I, I just I would be brought to tears. It hurt. It was painful. But then there came a day when they flew back. <laughs> and truly, what a great reunion. And I cried then too, but that was tears of joy. As I saw her face and I saw the kids and my children once again. Listen, folks. When our loved ones in Christ depart from this world in death, that is a temporary separation for us as believers. For there is going to be a hello after that goodbye, brethren. Listen, there's going to come a time you're going to see their face again. You'll embrace them once again. You'll be in their presence once again. Praise God, because Christ lives. We will live again forever in heaven together one with another. There will be a joyous reunion day when we will be reunited with our loved ones that have gone on before us. And we will be reunited with our blessed Redeemer who we love so much and long to see. I don't think we can even comprehend what that day is going to be like. We think a good church service, man, that's great, right? We just imagine what it's going to be like to be there on that day. Boy, it's going to be like something we've never experienced. It's going to be so wonderful that glad reunion day when we gather together around the throne of God with our loved ones that have trusted Christ and gone before us and with our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible speaks of this in Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number, number 4. And verse number 13 and 14, it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Or actually, let's see, I was supposed to read verse 13 as well. I'm sorry, so read verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so... Them, which, uh, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And then verse 18, he says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Listen, when, when we have a funeral service, that's not goodbye forever if they're born again Christian. That's just until, until we meet again. Until we see again. I know it, it hurts because you're, you're going to miss them. You're not going to see them for a space of time. But it's going to make that reunion all that much sweeter. Truly, the, the, the trials we face, uh, the troubles we deal with, it's going to make heaven all that much better when we step on heaven's shore that day. Notice also that nothing makes eternal life so wonderful as enduring life in a dying body. The Bible says in Romans, the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. 
It also says, and so one man sinned and death passed upon what? All men. Uh, we live in dying bodies. These bodies we have here, they're temporal. They're not made to last forever. And we can clearly see as we go through our lives and we get older, we can see our bodies breaking down. As we get older, the aches and the pains and the health issues and the arthritis and the hair falling out or, or turning gray and teeth falling out. We can go on and on and on, right? These things all signal that we are living in bodies that are dying and falling apart. I mean, even Jessica this week was saying, hey, listen, I see a bunch of gray coming in there. Here. I said, cut it out. Quiet. The reality is all of our bodies are dying. We've got a dying body. I'm not, I'm not enjoying this dying body, but I'm really going to enjoy that eternal body up in heaven. When he gives me a body like I'm his glorious body, amen. And I'll tell you what, the, the longer we live on this earth, the harder it gets in our bodies because they are dying. You know, even I, I talk to Miss Marie every once in a while, Marie Clark, and she's got heart issues now. Her legs frequently swell because of that. Last time I was over there, she told me, she said, Preacher, she, I just wish I could come to church. I just really can't. You know, I just physically can't, can't handle it anymore. And, and um, she said, you know, sometimes it's all I can do to just get up and go to the cabinet and make myself a sandwich. And I thought, wow, that's, that, that, that's hard. But you know what? That, that's life in this physical body. Because our bodies, our temporal bodies, they're not made to last forever. And the longer we, we live on this earth, the harder it gets because our bodies are dying. They're little by little. They're falling apart. But listen, believer, nothing is going to make eternal life in heaven with a new body so wonderful as having to endure life in a dying body here on this earth. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Brother Jackie, when you get those new knees and shoulders and everything else, you're probably going to be running around the throne singing hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> You see, it just won't even, I mean, it's, it's going to make it all that much better. You know, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, and verse number 21, Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Is that not a wonderful thought? I don't think we can even really comprehend what that means right now, but it's going to happen one day when we stand in his presence. And you look also at uh, Luke chapter number 20 and verse 36. As Jesus speaks of life after death here in chapter 20, verse number 36, he's, um, he says, Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Don't you like that? Aren't you glad as a believer you've only going to die once? Amen. Neither do they die anymore. You're given a glorious body. Like unto his precious and perfect and wonderful body. To live forever with him in heaven. 
Truly, it will be all that much sweeter as we endure the difficulties of our dying bodies in this life. You see, folks, what I'm getting at this morning is everything that we endure, everything that we go through in this life, it's just going to prepare heaven to be all that much better. <laughs> Lastly, I want you to notice that nothing makes grace so amazing than seeing the glories of heaven that we know we do not deserve. Amen. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Verse number nine. As it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Amen. Yes, amen. Wow. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither, neither has even entered into the mind of man, the heart of man. The things God has prepared for us. Listen, friend, when, when we see, when we, when we hear all that, that God has in store for us in that perfect heaven, in that perfect place, and then we look and we see that the only imperfect thing in that heaven will be the nail marks, will be the wounds. Of our blessed Savior. Revelation says he was in chapter 5 verse 6. That they saw the lamb as it had been slain. You ever considered that? That the only thing that's not going to be completely perfect in heaven. Is the Lord and Savior. Who still bears the marks of our sin. The sin that you caused. The sin that I caused. I think as we see that beautiful place, that perfect place with completely, absolutely nothing, nothing wrong. And, and, and then we look over at Jesus and we see what great grace, what amazing grace was extended to us. That he died for us. He took our place that we could come to this place of heaven. We'll be overwhelmed with the miraculous, wonderful, matchless grace of Jesus. I think we'll be flooded with gratitude like never before. That's right. As we view what he did for me, seeing firsthand the nail marks, the piercing in his side, the wounds of the crucifixion, so that I could go there. And then seeing all that he has prepared for me so I could live with him forever. Boy, it'll make grace all that more amazing, won't it? Yeah. Now, we love grace, don't we? I mean, we love the, the matchless, wonderful grace of Jesus, all that it means to us, because we know we don't deserve to be saved. We know we don't deserve to go to heaven. But when we stand in front of the Lamb that was slain, slain for us in a perfect heaven that He died so that we could go to, boy, the, the magnitude of that grace is going to be beyond our comprehension. We'll be overwhelmed, I think, with the grace and mercy of our loving God who died to save us, that we could go to that perfect place with him. Amen. So listen, friend, as we consider these things, we're going through some hard times in our country and our society, are we not? Some of us have endured some very difficult days, and some of us have many other difficult days to endure yet as we go through the hard things of this life. 
But may we realize that just like Job, I don't need to worry. I don't need to worry. I have an appointed number of days and I don't need to worry about it. I wait. I wait for the blessed day when I will see my Savior, Jesus, face to face. I wait for the blessed day where he's going to say, Eric, it's your time. Come be with me in the glories of heaven forever and ever and ever that have been prepared for you for over 2,000 years now. Praise the Lord. Truly nothing can make heaven so sweeter as this weight that we endure during this time here on earth. And I hope that as you go through these different times and different things in your life right now, that it will just encourage you to get your eyes set on heaven and say, oh, Jesus, I'm just looking for that day. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your, your Lord and your Savior, the Bible says there's no, there's no rest, there's no peace to the wicked. And what that means is that you're going to live a hard life because all of us do on this planet, in this world. You're going to live a hard life. And then one day when you die, you're going to lift up your eyes in torments in a place separated from God forever and ever and ever. Of eternal darkness and eternal torment. A horrible and hard place like nothing you've ever had here. The remedy to that is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The remedy is turn from your sins. Repent of your sins. Give your life to Christ and trust in Him. That's the only answer to the, the problem of mankind. And once you do, then you can have that sweet peace to just rest in him through each and every day, waiting for the appointed time where he will come and take you to heaven. Not worry about it, mind you, but rest in it. Praise the Lord. I know that's my sweet peace. That's my sweet rest as I wait and rest in my precious Savior, Jesus Christ.